أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المصطفى محمد وآله الطاهرين صلى الله عليك يا سيدي ويا مولاي يا رسول الله صلى الله عليك وعلى أهل بيتك المظلومين صلى الله عليك يا مولاي وابن مولاي يا أبا عبد الله يا رحمة الله الواسعة ويا باب نجاة الأمة غريب يا مظلوم كربلاء يا ليتنا يا ليتنا كنا معكم سادتي فنفوز والله فوزا عظيما الله سبحانه وتعالى سله بالقران افرايت من اتخذ الهه هواه واضله الله على In honor of Abi Abdullah al-Husayn, Aflahamad sallallahu ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. The era in which we live is an era filled with challenges, different forms of corruption, and contradicting beliefs and or ideas. When we look at the state of humanity in our era, we remember the traditions of Ahlul Bayt Salawatullah wa Salamuhu alayhim and how Ahlul Bayt Salawatullah alayhim promised that before the reappearance of Sahib al Zaman, may Allah hasten his reappearance, there will be a lot of corruption, a lot of injustice, there will be a lot of confusion before his blessed reappearance For example, when we look at the traditions that mentioned what Sahib al-Zaman will accomplish, we find Ahlul Bayt saying in multiple traditions, not one or two or three, rather in many traditions, that when Imam al-Mahdi rises, the Imam will fill the earth with justice and equity just as it will be filled with injustice and inequity. Now, focus on that word. It will be filled with what? Injustice 
and inequity. Bear in mind that there are different forms of injustice, different forms or manifestations of oppression. One manifestation of oppression or injustice is walking on the rights of others, usurping their rights, taking their rights. Another form of oppression is disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A third form of oppression is neglecting and doubting the truth. So when Ahlul Bayt tell us prior to the emergence of Sahib al-Zaman alayhi salam the earth will be filled with injustice, that means people will see various forms, various forms of what? Of corruption. Amongst the ideas that are quite stressed upon in our day and age, especially in the West, especially where in the West, is the idea of freedom. What does that mean? You find certain movements saying that the human being is a free creation of God subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every human possesses freedom. And because he or she possesses freedom, then he or she may commit anything that he or she pleases. As long as the person does not physically abuse or harass or attack other people. So long that you don't attack others and abuse them, you may carry out and fulfill your desire in any way or form. You may carry out and fulfill any inclination that you feel, even if that desire or inclination violates the laws of God subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if that inclination or desire violates what? Human nature. We find that there are certain movements stressing on this concept, especially where, especially in the West, and especially in, you know, primary school, secondary school, universities, etc. So the question is, what is the stance of Islam on this idea? Does Islam accept this idea or this notion or not? Well, when we look at Al-Quran Al-Kareem and Ahlul Bayt, salawatullah wa salamuhu alayhim, we find that Al-Quran and Ahlul Bayt refute this idea of freedom. Yes, the human being is a free creation, meaning he possesses free will. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants the human being to use his free will in the right manner. He wants the human being to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his own free will. Hence, Allah ta'ala shows us what? The right path and the evil path. Telling us to follow the right path and to avoid the wrong path. He says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Surah Al-Insan, inna hadaynahu sabil, imma shakiran wa imma kafura. 
Allah tells you, this is the path of gratefulness, meaning the path of success, the path of salvation. And this is the path of ungratefulness, meaning the path of what? Of disaster, the path of chaos, the path which leads humanity to its doom. So the human being possesses free will, but at the same time, we find that the Quran al-Kareem warns us from our personal inclinations and desires, telling us that sometimes, O oh humans, you might desire something which leads you to your own doom. In fact, in many cases, the human being might desire a particular deed or a particular thing which harms him. Where does the Quran say this? It says it when it mentions battling in the path of God subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah, Kutiba alaykumul qital. Battling in the path of Allah has been prescribed upon you. Wahua kurhun lakum. But you dislike it. The Muslims, some of them disliked this law. Why? Because when you battle in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you must make sacrifices. When you battle in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're putting your life on the line. You might get killed as you're battling in the path of God azza wa jal. So they disliked this law. Allah ta'ala made a very important comment. He said what? Wa'asa. أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ He said, it is very likely that you will dislike a particular thing, yet it is good for you. وَعَسَى أَن تُحِبُّ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ شَرٌ لَكُمْ And it is very likely that you will love something, yet... It is bad for you. It harms you. You love it. You want it. You desire it. Allah tells you, It's bad for you. It harms you. Allah knows, yet you do not know. So the Quran Al-Kareem tells us what? It tells us beware. You cannot follow every single inclination that you feel or every single desire that you feel because in many cases, you might desire what harms you and what leads you to your doom. Ahlul Bayt, salamullah alayhim, the speaking Quran, they confirm what the Quran says. There are plenty of narrations where Ahlul Bayt warn us from what? What we call ittiba'ul hawa. Following our personal inclinations. For example, in Nahjul Balagha, there is a narration by Imam Ali, Salawatullah wa Salamu ala, Salawat ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad. I think the Salawat can be a bit louder. He says, alayhi salatu wassalam, ayyuhannas, O people, inna akhwa fama akhafu alaykum ithnan, ittiba'ul hawa, watulul amal. He says that he's scared from two specific traits. Scared 
For who? For us. Because he cares for us. In fact, these two traits scare Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salatu most. It seems that these two traits are what? Destructive. He says, I fear for you from two traits. Number one, ittiba'ul hawa, meaning following your desire, following unlawful desire, following unlawful inclinations. Watulul amal. And number two, believing that death is far away. Believing that death is distant from you. See, all of us know that one day we will have to die. One day our death will arrive. But sometimes the human being imagines that he has a good amount of time left in his life. And he imagines that death is quite distant from him. This is called what? Tool al-amal. Imam Ali says, this is a bad trait. Beware from it. Why? What is the outcome of ittiba al-hawa? And the outcome of tool al-amal. He says, alayhi salam. فَأَمَّا اتِّبَاعُ الْهَوَىٰ فَيَصُدُّ عَنَ الْحَاقِ Following your desire, following your unlawful inclinations and desire pushes you away from what? From the truth. It pushes you away from believing or implementing the truth. And as for طُولُ amal, it makes you forget the hereafter. When you believe that death is far away from you, you still have a good amount of time in this world. You'll forget about what? Death and what comes after death. You'll forget about the grave, the bridge on the day of judgment, the hisab, the stage of reckoning, and other stages of the hereafter. And when the human being forgets the stages of the hereafter, then he begins to do what? He begins to slip in abundance he begins to sin here and there abundantly because he forgot the hereafter so imam ali alayhi salam and ahlul bayt tell us what they say you cannot follow every single desire no you have to control yourselves sometimes oh humans you will desire what angers allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes you will desire what allah forbade upon you at that moment, what do you have to do? You have to control yourself. You have to control yourself. That is the task. You have to battle your own ego. Battle your desire. So you may obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and succeed in the task. So we realize that الثقلان, Al-Quran and Ahlul Bayt salawatullah alayhim refute this idea of freedom. The idea that tells you, as long as you're not hurting other people, then you may do whatever you want. You can walk in public in any way or form, whether you're wearing a lot of clothes or a minimal amount of clothes. You may drink wine. You may drink different types of intoxicants. You may dance. You may commit adultery. As long as you're not hurting others, then you have the freedom of choosing any path you want. And Islam says, no, that is incorrect. You are not allowed to do indecencies. 
You're a human being. And to be a real human being, a free human being, means what? It means you break free from the chains of unlawful desire and unlawful inclinations. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a beautiful comment in the Holy Quran as he mentions those who obey their desire at all times. See, sometimes we fail in our test. As in, the battle between the intellect and the desire takes place. And unfortunately, desire overcomes the intellect, so we fall into sin. But we repent quickly. And we go back on the right track. Sometimes you have humans who completely submit to their desire. So they keep on failing. Allah Ta'ala mentions those humans who completely submit to their desires at all times, as He says. Afara'ayta. He tells the Prophet have you then considered him or have you seen him who takes his low desire for his God? Focus on this word. Allah Ta'ala is saying this person's desire has become what? His own God. Why? Because he completely submits to it. He shows complete, absolute submission to his desire. So even if he does not believe that his desire is his God, on a practical level, he behaves as if it is his God. You might ask, what's so interesting or beautiful about this verse? What's interesting and beautiful is that Allah Azza wa Jal, if you think about it, if you understand the verse, Allah is telling you, for us human beings, there is no such thing as absolute freedom. You cannot be totally free. You have two choices. Either you are a slave of God or a slave of what? Desire. There is no such thing as absolute freedom. Those who say we're free, and because we are free, we can do whatever we want. In reality, they are slaves. But they're slaves of what? Or of their desire. You are a slave of God, subhanahu wa ta'ala. They humiliate themselves. You honor yourself by obeying Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ahlul Bayt, salamullah alayhim, said the same. Ahlul Bayt mentioned that there are two types of freedom. Two types of freedom. One is a negative type of freedom. And one is the freedom that every human being should look for. As for the negative type of freedom, it was mentioned by Imam Musa ibn Ja'far, alayhi salatu wassalam. One, when the Imam was walking by the, the house of a man called Bishr al-Hafi, I believe many of you, if not all, have heard this story. It's a very important story. Allama al-Hilli, rahmatullah, mentions it in his book, Minhaj al-Karama. Long story short, Imam al-Kadhim, salamullah, was walking by the house of Bishr. Bishr was not a righteous man. 
he was a wine drinker, and he would commit different types of sins. Imam al-Kadhim walks by the house of Bishr as unlawful noises are stemming from the house of Bishr, and Bishr is drinking wine. Meanwhile, what happens? One of the she-slaves of Bishr comes out from the house to throw filth out of the house. Imam al-Kadhim uses the opportunity. He asks her a question, saying, the owner of this house, is he a free man or a slave? Focus with the imam. Is he a free man or a slave? She said he's a free man. The imam said, you're right. He is a free man. Because if he was a slave, he would have feared his master. Then the imam left. The she-slave went back into the house. Bishr asked her, what took you so long? She told him, a man came by and he asked me, is the owner of the house a free man or a slave? I said he's a free man. He said, you're right. If he was a slave, he would have feared his master, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The word of Imam al-Kadhim penetrated right through the heart of Bishr. And so Bishr ran after the Imam. He ran without wearing shoes, without wearing sandals. He was barefoot. He ran after the Imam. And at that point, he apologized from the Imam and repented. From that point in his life, Bishr became what? Became a righteous man. Here, Imam al-Kadhim, salamullah alayhi, was alluding to what? To the negative type of freedom. The freedom which tells you, you may do whatever you want. You may fulfill your desire in any way you want, even if that way violates human nature or violates the laws of Allah Ta'ala. Whereas... The positive freedom was mentioned by the Imam of those who are free, Al Hussein ibn Ali. Salawatullah wa salamuhu alayhima. When did Imam Al Hussein mention positive freedom? In Karbala. In Karbala. When the Imam Salamullah was defending his family. And fighting all alone after the, the killing of his companions and family members, salawatullah alayhim, at a certain point, the enemies cut the imam off his camp. And in one tradition, they actually attacked the camp of the imam. They began frightening the women and children. So the imam, Abu Abdullah al Hussein, said the following word. He said, Ya Shi'ata Ali Abi Sufyan, O Shi'as of Abi Sufyan's progeny, if you do not have a religion and you do not dread the day of judgment, then at least be free men in your world and recall your ancestry if you claim to be Arabs. What was he saying, alayhi salam? Let's take a 
minute or two to understand the Imam's word. These people were attacking Lady Zainab and the daughters of Rasulullah and the children of the Imam, salawatullah alayhim. The Imam told them what? He said, if you do not have a religion and you do not dread the day of judgment, then at least, at least be free men in your world. Meaning, I am not going to tell you, O Shias of Abi Sufyan's progeny, to stop your attack on my women because Allah forbids this. Because I know you don't believe in Allah Ta'ala. You don't believe in Islam. Nor will I tell you, do not do what you're doing right now because you'll be punished in the hereafter. Because I know you do not fear Jahannam. But even then I tell you, you must refrain from this shame, from this shameful act. Why? Because even if you do not believe in a religion, even if you do not fear the day of judgment, you should aim for what? For freedom. What kind of freedom is Imam al Hussein mentioning? Can't his enemies tell him, but Aba Abdullah, we are practicing freedom. We're doing whatever we want. It's as if the Imam is saying, no. Freedom does not mean you do whatever you want. Real freedom means you break free from the chains of unlawful desire. You break free from the chains of vices and you beautify yourself with virtues. Hence he told them what? And recall your ancestry if you claim to be Arabs. Meaning if you recalled your ancestry, you would have realized that even your jahil forefathers wouldn't attack women and children. Even in jahiliyyah, this deed was shameful. It was shameful for a man to come and attack a lady or attack a bunch of children. Here Imam al-Hussain was teaching the world and teaching us that true freedom, Husseini freedom, means you control yourself and you do your best to beautify your soul with virtues and to break free from the chains of vices. That is Husseini freedom. Indeed, the Imam was the Imam of the free. Hence, even though Banu Umayyah pressured the Imam in different manners, different ways, he never gave in. He stood in front of 30,000 troops, witnessing their shields, horses, arrows, spears, and swords, knowing that on the day of Ashura he will be killed. And even then he told them, in a bold statement, La wallah, la u'atikum biyadi, al-dhalil. I swear by Allah, I will not pledge allegiance to you like a humiliated man, wala afirru firar al-abid. And I will not run away like a slave. That is Abu Abdullah al-Husayn alayhi afdalu salatu wassalam, the hero of all heroes. The Imam who is being visited right now, his grave is visited by millions of people. This Imam who was one day outnumbered, 
surrounded by 30,000 troops, who was killed, thirsty, who was massacred. The Imam who was calling for support, won't anyone come and support me? That same Hussein, salawatullah, wa salamuhu alayh today, millions and millions, oceans and oceans of people seek his grave. To tell him, Labbayka ya Hussein, we are at your service, Aba Abdullah. Yes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised Aba Abdullah that he will be victorious over Yazid and over the forces of evil through his sacrifice. And Allah ta'ala fulfilled and continues to fulfill his promise. Today, millions of people go to the Imam alayhi salam to visit him on Arba'een. But who started this habit? Who started this ziyara? Who was the first to come and visit Imam al Hussein on the first Arba'een after his killing? It was none other than our Imam Zainul Abideen, salawatullah, wa salamu along with Lady Zainab and the rest of the family. They came to visit him. And they found who? Jabir bin Abdullah al-Ansari, the known companion of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa with Atiyah al-Ufi and some members from Banu Hashim. Review the book Allahuf fi Qatl al-Tufu for Sayyid ibn Tawus rahmatullah alayhi, who was one of our prominent scholars. He mentions this issue in his book, Allahuf fi Qatl al-Tufu. But how did they meet? What happened? Atiyah says, Rahmatullah alayhi, I came with Jabir to Karbala. And when we came to Karbala, Jabir bathed in the river, the river of the Euphrates. After bathing, he wore his clothes and then he spread some perfume on him and he began walking towards the grave of the Imam, salawatullah wa salamu alayhi. However, every step he would take, he would mention Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bear in mind, Jabir at that point was blind. He couldn't see. So, Atiyah says, when we got close to the grave of the Imam, salawatullah alayhi, he told me, al-misneeh, let me touch the grave. He says, I made him touch the grave. When he touched it, what happened? Jabir fell unconscious. He fell unconscious. It was too painful for him to touch the grave of the Imam. Bear in mind, Jabir loved Imam al Hussein. He saw him when he was a child. He saw him when he was a young man. He saw him when he was an adult. And today he sees the grave of Abu Abdullah. Salawatullah so he fell unconscious. Atiyah says, at that point, I sprinkled water on Jabir. He regained consciousness. When he regained consciousness, he addressed Aba Abdullah, salawatullah alayhi, saying, Ya Hussein, O Hussein. However, he did not hear a response. He said, Ya Hussein. He did not hear a response. And so he said a third time, Ya Hussein, Habib. 
يكون لا يجيب حبيبا he said you are a beloved who does not answer his devotee it's as if he's telling him Abba Abdullah why aren't you answering Jabir don't you love Jabir anymore Habib la yujibu Habiba wa anna laka bin jawayab wa qad shuhitat awdajuka ala atbajik says he said however how can you answer me when your jugular veins were sliced and your head was detached from your body were beside the graves. All of a sudden, they saw, Atiyah saw darkness emerging from the direction of Sham. And so Jabir told them, go and see who is approaching Karbala. If it is the companions of Ubaidullah bin Ziyad, then we must go elsewhere. We must go somewhere safe. But if it is my master, Zainul Abideen, then I will free you for the sake of Allah. Atiyah went and he returned quickly. But in what state? He returned to Jabir as he was slapping his face and saying, Ya Jabir, Oh Jabir, rise and welcome the daughters of Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi For here is Zainul Abideen Who has come with his aunts and sisters to Karbala They want to visit the grave of Abba Abdillah Jabir rose, he went to the Imam when he approached Zain al-Abideen, he fell on the feet of the Imam and began kissing his feet as he was saying, Master, may Allah greatly reward you for the loss of your father Hussein. Master, may Allah greatly reward you for the loss of your brothers and uncles. Imam Sajjad, salawatullah alayhi said, Are you Jabir? Jabir replied, Yes, Master, I am Jabir. And so the Imam told him this heartbreaking word. He said, Oh, Jabir, this is the land in which Abu Abdullah was killed. This is the land in which, in which my siblings were slaughtered. The infants of my father were slaughtered in this land. This is the land in which our men were killed, 
Our women were taken into captivity and our tents were burnt. This is the state of Imam Zain al Abidin. As for Lady Zainab and the daughters of Rasulullah, Salawatullah alayhim, they entered the land of Karbala. What did they feel at that moment? Forty days ago, they were witnessing their beloved as they were defending Islam and fighting their enemies. Today they enter Karbala only to see graves, only to see the graves of their beloved. Zainab Salamullah alayha came to the grave of Abi Abdullah al Hussein. It is said she was holding something under her cloak, but the narrator did not know what it is. Zainab Salamullah alayha got closer to the grave of Hussein. When she reached the grave of Abba Abdullah, she brought that thing out of the cloak, and it was none other than the head of Abi Abdullah al Hussein. Allahu Akbar, Ya Zainab. Our hearts break for you, Ya Hawra. Sayyidati, Sayyidati, tell me, how does it feel to hold the head of your own Imam and brother with your two hands? Aywa Zainabah, wa Sayyidata, wa Husayna. The daughters of Rasulullah came to the grave of Hussein, wailing, screaming, and lamenting the Imam Salamullah Fatima bint al Hussein embraced the grave of her father and began crying until she fainted. As if I see Zainab, I will conclude with these words. As if I see Zainab, Salamullah alayha, complaining to her brother Hussein. She has a lot to tell about Abdullah al Hussein. She has a lot of words to say to the Imam, Salawatullah However, the poet says, when Zainab came to the grave of the Imam, she told him, Aba Abdullah. Look at your orphans. Look at your orphans, Abba Abdullah. I was the one responsible of protecting them, and I brought them back to you. But Abba Abdullah, do not ask me about Ruqayya. Do not ask me about Ruqayya Aba Abdullah, for I left her in Shayam. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-hali al-azim. Tawajjahu ila Allah Ta'ala. Allahumma inna nas'aluka wa nad'uuk bi'ahabbil khalqi ilayk. Muhammad wa Ali. 
وفاطمة والحسن والحسين والتسعة المعصومين من ذرية الحسين فرج عنا يا الله We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to hasten the reappearance of Sahib al-Zaman to make us from his sincere followers and supporters to forgive our sins, to conceal our defects and to fulfill our needs. If anyone has a need, ask it at the moment and Allah will answer you. اللهم بحق إمامنا الحسين اقضي حاجة كل محتاج لا سيما حوائج الحاضرين والمشاهدين We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to heal all the sick for the sake of the sick Imam Zain al-Abideen and to bless all of our marhumeen and all believers who passed away. We shall send the rewards of our majlis to their graves and the rewards of Surah Al-Fatiha after a loud salawat ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad.